Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 129, Etiquette and Safety When Turkey Hunting Public Land, with Corporal Dave Painter. And I am your host, and the guy who is still in his mid-season lull. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that a bird will roost on one of my hunting properties and actually give me an opportunity to have a hunt. That window of hope is closing as we are 18 days, 6 hours, 24 minutes, and 45 seconds away from the end of spring turkey season in Alabama. So I have a confession to make. This morning I screwed the pooch on a turkey hunt. As I mentioned to you in the intro, I have been trying desperately to lure turkeys off of neighbors' properties onto my properties to hunt. I am still hearing turkeys gobble, but I am not hearing turkeys gobble on my hunting properties They're all on my neighbor's hunting properties. And so in my attempts to lure them from the neighbor's property onto my property, this morning I set up on the property line of my property that I own in Chilton County. And now this property is just under 24 acres. The turkeys are either there or they're not. It's just that easy. Well, this morning they were roosted about a hundred yards from my property line, and they were on the neighbors. So I set up on the property line. I began to call, and they would gobble. There were multiple turkeys. Come to find out, and I found out the hard way, there were five gobbling turkeys. They would respond to my calls, but they were not very excited about coming into where I was. So they started to ease off, and when they started to ease off, I thought, you know, I have nothing to lose at this point, so I'll give them a little challenge. And I took my box call, and I gobbled on it. Well, they gobbled back. So I waited a few seconds, and I gobbled again, and they gobbled back. And I waited a couple of minutes, and I gobbled again, and they gobbled again, and they were closer. So I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting. 
and I'm expecting the turkeys to walk down the road from the neighbor's property to my property, walk around the neighbor's gate, which is very easy to do. There's no fence on our property line, but the neighbor has a very nice gated entry to his property, and I'm expecting the turkeys to walk around that gate and come into my decoy setup. So I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I gobble again, and nothing. Some crows fly over and call, and nothing. In fact, the crows, when they called, scared me so bad, if I was a turkey, I would have gobbled. But the turkeys that I was calling to didn't gobble. So I'd been sitting there for probably, I'd say, 20 to 25 minutes since I last heard the turkeys gobble. And I hear turkeys gobble far away from me. Well, these turkeys had been up on a ridge, and they were walking this ridge, and I'm at the bottom of the ridge. And when they would get over the crest of the ridge away from me and gobble, they would sound, obviously, much further away than they would when they were on top of the ridge gobbling. And so that's what happened. The turkeys gobbled over the ridge. I thought they were gone, walking further away. And so while I'm waiting, after they gobbled this last time where they sounded further away, nature calls. And I stand up, and I take about two steps from where I'm sitting, and I hear, put, 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 and I turn and look, and there are two turkeys who are coming through the woods to me, not down the road, but through the woods to me, who I literally think I almost scared to death. They were about 60 yards from me, but they were coming in from behind me, and I did not know they were there. So they took off. I obviously was not very happy with myself, even though I didn't have much control over the situation there. So I guess my whole reason for telling you guys this is that we're going to screw up in the turkey woods. We're going to spook birds. It's part of it. Stay positive. Stay after them. I'm not giving up. I'm going after them tomorrow morning, and I'm actually headed to a friend of mine's property. This is a new piece of property. I'm headed there. I'm excited about it. And we're going to hunt for two days there. I'll be leaving there and headed to my camp from that point. So I am hopeful that I will have another turkey story for you next week with a happier ending. Okay, I have two quick announcements for you guys this week. First, I'm going to be doing a quick how-to subscribe to the premium content show. And I'll be posting that soon. It's going to be a separate show. It's not going to be our weekly show. It's just going to be something in addition. In fact, that how-to episode may actually post before this episode does. So look in your feed for the podcast and see if you have the how-to episode there. I understand from several of you guys that subscribing to the premium show has not really been easy to do. And that is because there are actually two Turkey Hunter podcast feeds on the players that are out there right now. And I apologize for any confusion, but I think a quick how-to can clear up the confusion for us. Now, secondly, as I mentioned last week, I get a lot of questions from you guys this time of year. And I've decided that most of the time, it's just going to be easier for me to answer those questions on a show. So, for the next few weeks, I'm going to produce a quick 10 to 30 minute show where I just answer your questions. I'm going to post that show at odd times through the weeks, and it will be available to premium subscribers unless you are one who asked a question. If your question is answered on the show, 
and you are not a premium subscriber, I am going to email a link to that show for your listening pleasure. I want to continue to serve you guys, and if you have questions for me, I want to do my part to answer those so that hopefully the answer I give you will help you to tag a turkey this season. By doing this, we'll be able to keep the length of each weekly show to 45 minutes to an hour, which is my goal with this show. Okay, and speaking of keeping the show to 45 to 60 minutes, I need to get moving. So, while at the NWTF convention in Nashville, I was fortunate enough to meet one of our Turkey Hunting Podcast family members, Eric Zerfus, who gave me a show topic suggestion that I thought was stellar. His suggestion was to do a show on the etiquette of turkey hunting public land. After doing my due diligence, I found Corporal Dave Painter with the Michigan DNR to discuss this very topic with us. Now, Michigan has a lot of public land and a lot of hunters as well. Corporal Painter has many years of experience in the field dealing with this very topic. And listen to him. He has a voice for radio. This topic is an important one because it bleeds over into safety. And when hunting public land, we can never be too safe. Now, before I start the interview, I failed to put into the NWTF recap show an interview that I had done at the NWTF convention. So stay tuned in after my interview with Corporal Painter for that interview. Okay, enough yapping out of me. Here is Corporal Dave Painter, and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am excited to tell you that I have on the line with me today Corporal Dave Painter, who is with the Law Enforcement Division of the Department of Natural Resources for the state of Michigan. And Dave is going to talk to us today about a topic that, well, if you hunt public land, then you probably have had something come up along this line before in the past. And we're going to talk about etiquette, and I'm sure it's going to bleed a little bit over into safety for turkey hunting public land. So, Dave, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to come on and chat with us and go over this topic that I'm sure we can all learn a little bit from. And I know we all will hope that the people who are hunting the public land next to us We'll listen to this episode and learn a few things so that it'll help us have a little bit more enjoyment and a little bit more safety out there. So how are you and where are you today? I'm doing great, Andy, and I am located in the west end of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Okay. What is it like there today? What's the weather like? Uh, actually, in lower Michigan, we're getting snowstorms this morning. Wow. Uh, in the UP, it's in uh, it's low 40s and windy and sunny. Okay. Well, we're about... 20 degrees warmer than you and the same, windy and sunny. So I guess you guys had the same front come through yesterday or the day before that we had, huh? Sounds like it, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, good deal. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I know you're a turkey hunter because you and I chatted before I hit the record button here. So tell us how you got into turkey hunting yourself. Yeah, first of all, I'm a, I'm a conservation officer in, in uh, the state of Michigan and have been for 22 years. And I got into turkey hunting about 25 years ago uh, as part of the turkey reintroduction program. They were reintroduced into my, my home county in lower Michigan where I mm-hmm. used to live. And though we didn't have a 
turkey hunt there yet. They hadn't been established enough to, to hunt them. It got my interest up, and I put in for a, a lottery tag north of me about three hours and drew one, and I started reading everything I could about turkeys. And back then, uh, we had a, a few, I think we could rent a couple turkey hunting VHS tapes from my local video store. Yeah. I watched everything I could and, and read every article I could, and kind of that's how I got into it. And then after my first hunt, I was I was hooked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you have some success on that first hunt? I, I did. Right at the end of my first hunt, I was able to harvest a nice big tom. Very nice. So for 25 years now, that's kind of been one of my passions is turkey hunting in the spring. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, when you're able to have some success on your first hunt out, it, it does uh, help to keep things, or at least to keep you interested, for sure. Yes, I remember getting up at 2.30 in the morning to be at the spot to hunt on that, that last day that I went, and uh, and it was it was well worth it. Very cool. Well, about a month and a half, maybe two months ago at the NWTF convention in Nashville, I had a listener of the show come up to me and suggest this show topic. And I thought it was a pretty good idea to do it. You know, first of all, it won't help those of us who are considerate of other hunters on public land to get a little gentle reminder. But secondly, I think it'll be good for us to really keep in mind why we need to be considerate of the other hunters that are hunting on the public land as well, and that is safety. And so I know that wild turkeys can make us turkey hunters do some crazy and often stupid and unsafe things when we chase them. A lot like, you know, the the drink wild turkey makes us do some crazy and stupid things after we chase too much of that with some water or cola. But I want to talk to you today about really how we hunt public land and how we treat other hunters on that property while we are hunting it. And I know that there's a lot of public land in Michigan and there are a lot of hunters as well. So I wanted to get someone on from Michigan to cover this topic with us because you guys have so much public land and you do have so many hunters on that land. And so I appreciate you coming on with us and scouting an area on public land for a month or two months before season starts. And they get to that spot opening morning and they see a truck parked in that area. So what should we do from that point? Uh, You know, our natural instinct is to say, well, that's mine. That's my area. You know, I, I want to hunt this area. But what what should we do from there? Sure. Yeah, we get so much vested in it, and and sometimes we feel like we've done so much work that that's kind of our guaranteed spot, or, or we've hunted there so many years, and, and we get this a lot uh, during deer season also, uh, where someone says, I've hunted there for 25 years, and these guys come in and set up on me. Well, it is public land, and we have to share it with everybody, unfortunately, and and sometimes this time of year, we, we're not only competing with turkey hunters, we might have mushroom pickers, or hikers, or birders, or horseback riders, or you never know. Very you know, we are going to run into those, and, and some of them have no idea that turkey season is even going on. Um, so we have to be, you know, cognizant of, of these, these other users out there. W- one of the things I do is is go up and look in that vehicle and see, try to determine why they're there. Is there a gun case on the on the seat, or some chemical ring, or a, or a box of shotgun shells? Mm-hmm. And then, and then if it is, you know, if if we're hunting public lands in the first place, we should have a backup plan because we are sharing it with so many other people. 
So at that point, you know, you may be able to determine which direction they traveled by foot tracks. You may be able to see how many people got out of the vehicle or their tracks getting out of the passenger side also. Maybe there's, maybe there's hunters in two different directions there also. Some of the things I would look at, and then like I said, you know, if you know that area, you, you may know where the birds are roosted and if these tracks are going the opposite direction, maybe you'll be able to hunt that area. Maybe it's time to, to go to plan B and find another area or go to your, another area that you have picked out. Okay. All right. So, and, and that's something that I never even really thought about was going and looking in the vehicle because that's going to tell you everything. If you look in my truck right now, in my console, there are two tube calls, a wing bone call, I think two or three diaphragms, and that's not even the calls that I carry with me. So <laughs> sure, sure, those are your practice calls that that uh, your spouse doesn't want to hear you practicing in the house with all the time. You got your it. Practice vehicle, yeah, yeah. Or another, you know, another good thing is we've all we've all worked them birds off the roost, and they pitch down with some hens, and they go the opposite direction. Maybe go to your backup plan and come back there at midday. And uh, boy, at the last few years, I've had some great success at midday where these birds fly off the roost and they're dead silent. And I go back at midday and they and they just about come running in once once the hens are on the nest or, or such. You know that right? Maybe maybe give them their crack. Come back when that truck's not there and give it another try. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's say I guess really the tables are turned. We get to, to our hunting spot and no one's there. So we park our vehicle. What is a good way for us to let someone that might come to that area after we do know that we are hunting in that area and hope they'll get the hint not to come in there? Sure, sure. Um, communication is key. And I know some of us are all scouting all the time and scouting the weekend before or the evening before trying to put birds on the roost. What I do, even before I get to opening day or, or opening weekend or where I may run into other hunters, if I'm in that area and I'm meeting a, a vehicle on a, on a dirt road, I'll slow down and roll down my window and stop and, and just start talking to them. And part of it's from doing my job for so many years, I think, uh, just curiosity. But in this day and age, we're all looking at that little cell phone that we carry around, and that's our communication. We've almost forgot how to talk to people. Right. If you see people in your hunting area, talk to them. And, and, and you know, maybe it is a mushroom picker that just, just uh, says, well, we're not turkey hunters, but, boy, we saw a big bird up the road here. And, you know, maybe you can even gather some information from them. But if you talk to them and, and they're planning on hunting, maybe if you approach it like, hey, I, I don't want to mess up your hunt in the morning. Where are you guys planning on being? And, and you approach it that way, they'll usually tell you, you know, in a general area where they're going to be help avoid them but once you're in in the public area and you and you're hunting you can leave a note on your on your dash or tape it to your window it says turkey hunting and, and maybe give a general idea other than that you know i i guess just just try to communicate with other people in your area ahead of time we all know those people that show up opening day and just wander out on the public land there's going to be those people that you may have to deal with uh, i had one one year there was a bird i was working uh, and it was in a, it was in a field, and I heard a vehicle stop out on the road. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I knew, I had a guy crawling between me mm-hmm. between me and the bird. Yeah. And when he was in line with my decoy, he still hadn't seen my decoy or or me. I remember reaching into my pocket where I had a hunter orange decoy bag that folded up that I carried my decoys in and that and uh, folded that up and I brought it out of my on my lap. And I whistled at him and I waved it around. Now. Most people with any ethics or if they were brought up right at all would kind of wave and say, you know, kind of sneak back out to their vehicle. Right. This guy continued belly crawling towards towards the bird that was gobbling and calling like crazy until the bird just shut right down. And uh, he went out, I heard his truck start, I heard him leave eventually. But, you know, unfortunately, we can't regulate ethics. It's 
true. It's, it's one of those things where if we let our tempers get the best of us, you know, nothing good is going to come out of that. Everybody's got, you know, firearms. And, and I guess I raised three boys. And I wish I wish I knew how many times over the years I said, just be the bigger man. And I guess, <laughs> you know, that's that's what it comes down to. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Well, you know, walk-in hunting areas are, I think, getting more and more popular with a lot of states. And I think it's really good, and that's an area that I like to hunt in because I usually don't like to hunt out of my vehicle. We we miss so much by hunting out of a vehicle, by driving down the road a quarter of a mile and getting out and hooting or crow calling and then jumping back in the vehicle if there's no gobble or no response to our, our locator calls and driving another quarter mile down the road and doing the same thing. I'm the type of hunter who likes to get out and walk, and the walk-in hunting areas are appealing to me for that reason of knowing that, okay, I can get out here and I can walk and not have anybody just come whizzing past me in a vehicle and pull up, you know, 100 yards in front of me like fishermen often have people do when they're fishing and get cut off by other people in a, in a bass boat getting in front of them. But the walk-in areas, as much as I like them, they present a different issue altogether in knowing if someone is in that area hunting because there is no vehicle around. So what can we do in those walk-in areas to kind of help us determine if somebody's in that area hunting? And if someone is in that area, what should we do at that point in time? Or if we even think someone's in that area, what should we do at that point? Well, I guess that's a good question. Uh, in, in my experience, I found if you get more than a half mile off a road, you're probably not going to run into anybody. But if you do, and it's a big enough chunk of area, just, just go the opposite direction or, or, like I said earlier, have a backup plan and use all of your senses. Uh, I, I remember one year we were working a complaint of some turkey hunters, and back when we had a drawing system only for turkey tags, and a guy had borrowed a tag from someone else and didn't have his own tag, and we were able to follow his locator calls. We watched them come out of their trailer on private land, walk onto the public land where they were hunting, and we had a vantage point there that we could see they were both carrying shotguns, and we could listen to their owl hoots for 15 minutes till we knew where they were set up, and then we could hear their hen calls, and we yeah. just waited there for them to walk back later in the morning and ended up making contact with them. And so you use, you know, use all of your senses, not just your, your sight, but you know, your ears listen, listen for signs like that so you can tell where people are. And, and, you know, it's not always going to work, but as hunters, we, we're keen to our surroundings and, uh, just be aware. And, and, you know, you may stumble onto someone. Like I said before, just, it, it's an accident. Turn around, go back the direction you came, if possible, or give them a wide berth. And if they got there before you and it's public land, then, then, you know, be the courteous one, be the one to give them give them their, their morning there, and then, you know, you can always leave your note and maybe a phone number on their windshield that, hey, I'm hunting the same same area. I don't want to have the rule of your hunt again. Maybe give me a call and we can work out, you know, uh, the schedule here. Yeah, yeah. So when, the again, there, when the table is turned and we're the ones in that area and someone comes in on us, what can we do? Uh, you mentioned taking out that orange decoy bag and waving it, and I think that's you know, pretty smart to be able to do that, to let some, let that other hunter know that you're in that area. But what are some other ways that we could let someone know that we're there? I guess that really yeah, falls I, into the whole safety thing as well. And, and that's, this is going to happen on, unfortunately, on private or public land at some point in time with us. 
Right. And it, it, on private land, we usually know who we're hunting around. On public land, quite often, we don't know who that person is or how much experience they have. We had a really bad incident here in Michigan a couple of years ago where a, uh, an adult son and his dad were out turkey hunting, and the dad had a red lanyard around his neck, and the son accidentally shot him. Wow. You know, seeing something in the brush. And luckily, it was far enough away that it, it you know, that he survived, but it was very traumatic for all involved. And so, all around that subject, I guess, and it's not, a law in most states, but but while you're moving on public land, especially, I always have something in that that hunter orange color. So I'm not mistaken for a turkey. You know, sometimes, like I said, there may be somebody it's their first year hunting and they really aren't sure what they're doing. And so for safety reasons, I recommend that. But uh, and if you have that in there, you can pull it out and wave it, and you're not going to look like a turkey. Or or I my biggest fear in that situation was me blending in so much he didn't see me and him shooting my decoy. Right. Um, so when there's something unnatural, like hunter orange being waved around, there's no question what you are at that point. So you can yell or talk, uh, say something, but at that point, I didn't want to totally blow the bird out of the area. So I thought sure. waving the orange was my best choice at that point in time. Yeah. So would you recommend, you know, giving that person a, a yelp on a call to let them know you're there? I don't because I don't want, not, not knowing who they are, I don't want them even, even a yelp. They, they would associate that most people with a hen. I don't want to make them think I'm a turkey at all or even put that in their mind. Uh, I've seen so many crazy things happen over the years. Uh, the last thing I want them to think I am as a turkey. If it was somebody you really knew well, you knew they would just look in that direction, you know, maybe. But I, I never want anyone to think I'm I'm a, a game animal or a bird at any time. So yeah. for me, I would wave my hands or wave wave something that didn't look like a turkey. Yeah. Try to get their attention. Yeah. Okay. So. We are, like I said earlier, if we hunt public land enough, we're going to have something happen. Someone's going to be rude. Someone's going to be unethical. Get out in front of us on a bird. Anything, I mean, the the list of of things that can happen to us when we're hunting public land can go on and on and on. When that does happen, how do you recommend that we handle that situation with that other individual? Again, communication is probably the best thing. But at a point, where you're not, your your tempers aren't flaring. You know, I, I think we see so many different stages of hunters, and some people take it way more serious than others, and will will do just about anything they can to be successful. But we see other people in the woods that just want to enjoy the whole, the entire experience. You know, uh, watching watching the world come to life in the morning when the, when the sun rises, and hearing the birds, and and so you don't know who you're talking to. But I would try to talk to that person and. Try to work something. I'll say, hey, I've, I've been here since 4:30 this morning. Or, you know, t- tell them I've been scouting these birds. I'm working them right now. And I've I've had it happen to me even on private property where somebody came in and cut me off, and and they weren't even supposed to be there. And they sent them packing, and they drove around the corner and came in on some public lands and still tried to cut me off. And so for those wow. people, you, you know, there's nothing you're going to be able to do or say. And, and if it's just ethics again, we can't regulate ethics. And we we you know, unfortunately, there are there are those people that not only in hunting but in in every facet of our life that are just unethical people and are going to do whatever they need to do to succeed. And uh, at that point, it may be time to find another area to hunt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no turkey around that's worth not, getting not into a fight it. over or worse. We're out there to enjoy ourselves, and, and like I said, last year one of my funnest hunts was we I had my daughter-in-law with me who didn't come from a hunting family. 
just got into turkey hunting after she married in her family and, and mm-hmm. she just loves it. But one of our best hunts, we didn't even see any turkeys, but she had a, a little songbird, a chickadee landed on her gun barrel. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, sit there for five or you know, and that made the whole day right there for us. So, yeah. but, but there's, there's other people, like I said, that, that, uh, will do what they have to, to be successful at all costs. Yeah. I had a, well, I wasn't involved in it, but I guess was, it was brought to my attention a situation between two people who were hunting adjoining pieces of private land. This was, I think, three years ago at our hunting camp in southwest Alabama or near our hunting camp in southwest Alabama. We had to, in order to access part of our property, we have to go through one of our neighbor's gates and down the road. And of course, we have an easement to do that. And so this was a Monday morning, if I'm not mistaken. I was leaving there and about to go back to our camp, change clothes and drive back to Birmingham and go to work. And when I got to the gate, there's a game warden standing there. His truck's parked on the other side of the gate. The gate was locked. And so I got out of the truck and I walked over to the gate and introduced myself to him. And he introduced himself to me and I said, is there something going on? Can I help you? You need to get in the gate? He goes, no, I'm just checking things out. He said, do you know the guy that hunts this land that you're on? And I said, well, I've met him, but I don't really know him. And I said, why, what's going on? He said, well, he had a little altercation with one of the adjoining property owners. And I said, today? And he said, yeah, just a little while ago. And I said, well, I heard a shot from over here. I'm assuming it was him and and he shot a turkey. He said, no, he was actually calling what he told me is he was calling a turkey and the turkey was coming in to him. And the neighbor drove up in his truck and scared the turkey off. And he had words with the neighbor and he turned around and as he was walking off, he just fired a shot off in the air for no reason. And I said, that's kind of weird. He goes, yeah, I think the guy's just a real hothead. And so, you know, I I would say if you have any encounter with him, just let me know, but just know how he reacts to situations. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll definitely keep that in mind. So, I mean, just the thought of, I guess, physically blowing up on somebody and and you know i i can understand saying something to someone hey you know you drove up here while i was calling this bird in you scared him off well that person driving the truck didn't know Mm -hmm. but you know just to blow up at him and and then as you're walking off shoot your gun in the air i'm thinking man i'm glad to have this guy as my neighbor over here hunting (laughs) and and that kind of goes back what I was talking about on, on public lands, we don't know who these people are, or what their history is, what their criminal history is, what kind of substances they may be using. Now, now True. most of the hunters I've run across in my 20 plus years working in the field, they weren't, you know, drinking or, or such like that. It was very rare to find someone who had been drinking and, and was out hunting. Most people, but, but you don't know who those people are. And when you don't know, you don't know what you're walking into. And that's why it's best to avoid conflict if at all possible. And I know you don't want to give in and give up a good hunting spot, but then again, how, how long are you going to put up with this? You know, we only get so many days off to hunt. And do you really want to waste them arguing or fighting with someone or not knowing who's there or not working with them? Most sportsmen are pretty good about it if you say, hey, I'd like to hunt here too. I don't want to step on your toes, but I'm also going to be hunting this. Can we work something out? You know, most right. people are really good about that. Yeah. That's what I tell people who contact me anytime we have an open membership in our hunting club. I'll put that membership out there and post it on Facebook or, you know, Craigslist or wherever I happen to post it. And when people contact me, you know, they're, one of their questions is, well, what is your policy on shooting deer? And, you know, what's your rule for this and what's your rule for that? And my response to them is, we have these rules in place. They are there for you to follow. We don't go to our hunting camp to 
have issues. We don't go to our hunting camp to have problems or disagreements or anything like that that needs to be resolved. We go there to enjoy ourselves and have a great time. If we wanted to have issues and deal with problems, we'd stay home or we'd go to work. Sure. So, you know, it's a place for us to go to get away and enjoy ourselves. And that's exactly what you're saying. That's what we need to keep in mind at all times. And, yeah, I think there is a point for all of us where we need to look at a situation like that and go, all right, I need to go find a different bird to hunt. And so, yeah, I think that's great. So my next question, I guess, is really kind of a silly question, but and it, it goes to the same light, though, and that is what if we run across something that we see that is illegal or we think is illegal at that point and it's happening at that you know it's going down right then and there what should we do that's a that's a great question and and over my 20 plus years doing law enforcement i i run across so many people that later said well we knew about this but we didn't want to get involved we didn't want to you know this deer camp is shooting deer at night out of their window of their camp but you know we didn't want to get involved mm -hmm. well one thing I've learned is past behavior indicates what their future behavior is going to be. So if you are going to tolerate that, it's probably going to continue. And if it's an area that you like to hunt, it's going to affect you and, and how much game you see. Um, and so what I would say is, is pick up the phone and call. Most of the states in the country have a tip number that is in your hunting digest. Right. Pick up the phone and make a call. You can, you can do that anonymous if you want to do that. Leave as many de details as you can with plate numbers, colors of vehicle, how many people are hunting, you know, any descriptions as, as much as you can. Leave that information. In Michigan, we have a wrap number, but it's, it's the same thing in many states. They have a tip number. Leave that, um, leave a callback number if you want or, or do it anonymously. If your state does not have that, call your local sheriff's department and they can call your game warden or conservation officer on the radio. Okay. But if you tolerate it, it's, it's going to continue more than likely. Yeah. Okay. In your 20-plus years of being in law enforcement and being out in the field, have you had any situations on public land where you've had, where things have gotten out of control that you can think of? I, I, I can think of one right off the top of my head where two different groups with, with two guys in each group were out scouting the night before season on public land, and they got into a, a confrontation over who was going to hunt there the next morning, and they couldn't come to, to an agreement on who was going to hunt this particular strip, and it wasn't really a large area of public land. So when they came back into town, they, they had, one of the groups called me, but not only could they not work it out, but these guys were dumping big piles of corn in there, the guys that had the altercation with them, uh, nice. which is really illegal in yeah. Michigan and most states to hunt over, over bait when you're hunting for turkeys. And so the opening morning, I was in there just after daylight, walked in and found the blinds and found their, their, their turkey decoy standing in a pile of about 100 pounds of corn. <laughs> so that made it really easy. Uh, and of course, I'm sure they knew why I was there. But uh, And it goes back to the ethics, too. You know, if somebody who's unethical, sometimes they're doing illegal things things too. You know, sometimes those those go hand in hand. And so these guys did the right thing. They they, they walked away and said, okay, we're not going to hunt here. And then they called me and said, oh, by the way, <laughs> this is what else they're doing. So so that made it easy and, and uh, we took care of business the next morning then. Yeah. So a little sweet redemption for the other hunters. and Yeah. yeah a little bit. Yeah. 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 So. Well, that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, you got to be pretty brazen to bait public land, don't you? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Um, in Michigan, on our opening day here, it's coming up in a couple of weeks, but uh, generally there's no leaves on the trees, and it's just a brown, and that, that pile of gold really stands out. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Them quite a ways away, so it, it, it wasn't the smartest bunch. 
Yeah, I guess if they were, they wouldn't have gotten into any kind of an altercation with an, uh, another group of hunters to start with. So, yeah, good point. Well, you mentioned to me earlier on the phone that you're working on a cause that's near and dear to your heart. Do you mind sharing what that is and if there's anything that those of us who are listening to the show can do to help with it? Uh, here in, the, in the, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and across Michigan, we've actually got several groups going on that are, that are taking disabled hunters out. And we put together some trailers. Um, and, and we, you can put a wrap on the trailer, camouflage you know, with, a, with a wheelchair ramp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's been just a blast for me to be able to take people with disabilities out turkey hunting. We have a sip and puff unit where we put the gun, the shotgun, it's got to be a scoped gun, has a camera that goes on the back of the scope, and then it plays on a 12-volt TV screen, video screen, in the blind. Mm-hmm. And so you can see the crosshairs on the blind, and then we have a joystick. You can move the gun side to side and up and down, and uh, we've been, we've, we've had some, just some great hunts with that, that unit. And then you sip on a tube to fire the gun. It has like a trunk latch assembly in front of the trigger, and so... We have just had more fun getting getting uh, one young man who has muscular dystrophy and can't hold a gun anymore, can't can't pull the trigger, and so this has been just just awesome for him. He's he's killed four turkeys now with this unit. We had a gentleman from the nursing home that was 84 years old, never turkey hunted before, didn't know anything about it. I was able to call a Jake in for him, and he'd had a stroke in that, so he couldn't believe when he sipped on that tube and that gun went off, and he could see the bird flopping on the screen. Wow. Uh, and out the window of the blind, you know, and, and he thought that bird had to be 20 pounds, you know, and it was just a, it was a young Jake, but it, it absolutely just made his, uh, made his uh, day, and, and the girl from the nursing home told me he talked about that every day until the day he died. How there the nursing home. So, uh, it, it's been kind of a really a neat thing to, to get first-time hunters or, or people with disabilities out, out turkey hunting, and, and uh, you know, it, it, it makes it, we, we think we've become a good turkey caller, if you take away the mobility of it and the birds have to come to you, uh, it, it gives it a whole new perspective. And so uh, this is actually through uh, the, the guys that got me started were through the NWTF, the Wheel and Sportsman mm-hmm. group out of Escanaba, Michigan. And uh, they have now built some of these trailers that are being used in lower Michigan and even in other states now. They've come and picked some up. And so we're, we're, you know, we're getting people out that couldn't normally get out and hunt. Yeah. That's cool. So if we want to get involved in something like that, you would recommend getting in touch with the Wheeland Sportsman with our state chapter of the NWTF and going from there? That would be a great place to start. Okay. Yes, it would. Very cool. Well, if anybody had any questions on that, uh, they could they could shoot me an email, too, and I'd be happy to get back with them. All right. Maybe at the end, if you want to do that, we can leave that information. Yeah. Yeah. You want to give that info now? Sure. Uh, my email address is painter, P-A-I-N-T-E-R-D, as in Dave, painterd at michigan.gov. Very good. Well, Dave, is there anything else that you would want to throw out there about hunting on public land before I cut you loose and let you get back to the real J-O-B? <laughs> no, I, I I love talking about turkey hunting, and, I, and I've had a blast talking with you today, and it's it got me all fired up to get out there in a couple of weeks and start chasing these crazy birds. But uh, just be safe. Be safe, as, you know, not only on public land, but private land. Um, be sure of your target, what's in front of it, and what's beyond. Make sure it's what you're after. Yeah, yeah. I say it quite often on the show. You can't take that shot back once it goes off. And That's for sure. The last thing that any of us want is regret. So I, I yes, would. I, this is one of the things. This is one of the hunting uh, critters we hunt out there. This is one that across the nation there there are accidents and they are all preventable. Every single one of them. Make sure you 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 know what your target is before you pull that trigger. Yeah, and make sure what's behind it. 
and what's behind it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, especially on public land because you don't know who's coming from from the opposite direction. So that's something to always keep yep. in mind. All right. Well, we uh, I told you I'd like to keep you on the phone between 30 and 45 minutes. And I mentioned to you as well that if we had time, that I would ask you to share the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and one or two things that helped make that hunt a success. And I'm looking at the clock and I have about 38 minutes of time that we're in on this call. So if you have a few more minutes to spare, I would sure. love to hear a turkey hunting story. And I know everyone listening to this show would love to hear one as well. Sure. Okay. I'll go, I'll go back to last year or the last time I turkey hunted and, uh, I was able to take Robbie, my buddy out in the, the, the handicap accessible blind. He could only get out at a mid, midday hunt. Mm-hmm. And first of all, we get out there and I forgot the gun. So I had to run back to my house a couple miles away, get the gun, come back, set it all up. And within 20 minutes, we had a hen come through and she hung out in the decoys for a few minutes and then was moving out. And I started calling back to her and she turned around. And whatever call she would give me, I would give it right back to her. And I swear she stomped back into the decoys and she vocalized for 10 minutes. Things I sounds I'd never heard a turkey make before in my life. Yeah. And for 10 minutes straight, it was nonstop vocalizing by this bird. And I whispered to, to my buddy there, I said, this is the best decoy we could have. <laughs> and I think it was 2.30, two uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. Three big long beards ran over the hill and came charging into the decoys. And, and here we've got this this remote control, you know, this joystick that we're moving the gun and it's it makes a little bit of noise, but they were yeah. so intent on, on this hand and my decoys there, we were able to pick one of the three long beards out and Robbie sipped on the tube and, and piled him up right there and that was just really, really, really a cool hunt because I had very low expectations going in the middle of the afternoon like that and uh, it just yeah. worked out unbelievable. And uh, awesome. I, I took a nine-year-old out and we had a bird come right in within the first hour and then me trained it filled my take last year I had a bird bust me because he saw my breath. It was that cold that morning. Came over the hill and hit the brakes like he had seen me doing jumping jacks. You know? <laughs> and I was up against the tree, full camo, but he saw my breath in that still morning air and he hit the brakes. And that was it. He would not come. He turned around and walked straight away from me. And uh, he had deer blowing at me. Every time I went out, I had, I had a bear come through one morning and stopped. Stopped the uh, the action. Had a deer ball wow. at me and stomping. Had a had, had a 95 year old lady decide to pick up sticks in her yard one morning and that spooked the birds out of the backfield. So <laughs> it took me five weeks to actually fill my tag last year. In the last weekend of the season, I did it, but it was it was so much. You know, I had all those great encounters. So it was it was really worth it. It was it was a phenomenal year. Yeah. What do you think are one or two of the main factors that help make the hunt where with you and your buddy a success? Getting that hen into your setup? I guess just kind of reading what was happening and knowing when to shut up on the calls myself and just let, let her, you know, let her do the calling for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't beat, you can't beat a live bird as a decoy. And when she decided to stick around and then just keep talking, I've thought about this many times since then. You know, how would I even mimic that? Because, you know, one of the first things I learned turkey hunting was don't overcall. Don't right. call too much. And, uh, we just kind of let her do it for us. And, uh, you know, I guess don't try to do too much. Yeah, I think uh, that's great advice. I, I've been on public land when I thought I could hear the worst turkey caller in the world, and it ended up being a live turkey. <laughs> you know, when she stepped out, I was shocked. I was expecting a hunter that didn't know what he was doing. So you never know what, what what's going to happen in the turkey woods, and that's what makes it so much fun. You're right. You're exactly right. Well, fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that with us and then sharing your, your knowledge and advice as well about our topic and greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for what you're doing, Andy. It was a blast.
All right. Awesome. Well, then... And, uh, maybe sorry? I should get a plug in for... We've got a new CEO of the National Wild Turkey Federation, and she came from Michigan. She was our director here for many years. And they just announced this week she she's taken over the helm for the yep. National Wild Turkey Federation. I did not even know that. So... Yep. Uh, Becky Humphreys. Okay taken over so she's a michigan product also well so congratulations to her yeah that's exciting i i did not even know that that had happened and i appreciate you sharing that with us so that's really good information so the first female right. ceo of the nwtf and a michigan native there you go yep good deal yeah, that's that's very exciting. Well, you know, it's a great organization and uh, they just do so many great things even outside of turkey hunting that uh, i think we as outdoorsmen and outdoors women just I don't know how to find fault with what they do, and they do it all very well and and do it efficiently. So it's a great organization and and uh, something I'm involved with a little bit too. So get get out there and get involved, folks. Great, fantastic, and we're going to leave it at that. Corporal Dave Painter, thank you very much. I uh, so very much appreciate your time and and your information. And and let's see if we can come up with another topic and do this again sometime soon. Okay, sounds good. All right, have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Okay, goodbye. Okay, so I hope you guys who hunt public land enjoyed that. And really, my takeaway from that interview is that this etiquette applies on private land as well, especially those of us who are part of a hunting club or camp where others turkey hunt the same property. So I've got a story about a run-in that I had with one of our hunting club members several years ago. Our property at the time consisted of about 2,000 acres, and it was divided into three distinct areas by roads and creeks. Each area was between 400 and 1,000 acres. So my agreement with this other member, we'll call him Danny, was that if I was hunting an area in the morning, he would go to one of the other two areas, and if either of us wanted to change our area that we could go to the one open area and that we would text each other and make sure that we weren't stepping on each other's toes. So Danny texted me one day. He said, hey, I am going to the clubhouse side of the property. And I texted him back and I said, no, actually, I'm on the clubhouse side of the property. You can go to the other open area. And so he texted back and he said, no, I'm coming over there to the clubhouse side and I'm going to hunt in such and such area of the clubhouse side. And I texted him back and said, do not come over here. Go hunt the other open piece of the property. Well, Danny decided to come on in there and hunt anyway. And it wasn't the biggest deal in the world, except it was a safety issue. And he violated our verbal agreement that we had. We had plenty of property to hunt, but he was determined to come in and hunt the area that I was hunting. And so he and I exchanged words at lunch, said what we had to say, and a couple hours later he apologized because he knew that what he did was wrong, and we moved on. No big deal. No hard feelings. No issues from that point going forward. So the reason that I'm sharing that story is just to prove that this goes on even on private land, even on hunting club land, or if it's a private farm and someone else has permission to hunt that property, then these types of disagreements and misunderstandings can happen. So, be considerate of other hunters. When the dust settles, 
it really is just a bird. It's a turkey. And if we don't do something foolish in the woods, if a confrontation arises, then we'll live to hunt another day. Even if that you-know-what that screwed up your hunt or your plan to hunt kills your turkey. Okay, so I promised you guys another interview. And here is Scott Shearer with Broadside Camo to tell us about his very cool, kind of new camo. And I'll see you guys in a few minutes. Hey guys, I'm wandering around at the NWTF convention on the show floor and I've stumbled across what is a pretty cool product for a lot of different reasons. I'm going to let the man in charge tell us about that. So I have Scott Shearer here with me and he is with Broadside Camo. And Scott, tell us a little bit about your, I guess your incentive to create the product or your your drive to create the product and and tell us tell us a little bit about the product that you have well thank you howdy everybody out there uh, my name is Scott Shear I'm the creator of broadside camo um, so five years ago my rookie year hunting I saw in in central Texas a, an absence or a, a need to have a camo pattern that fits kind of what that area the geography looks like mossy oak didn't quite find it and real tree didn't quite find it Truth be told, I just couldn't get anything that really captured what I thought looked like the area I was hunting in. So I, I had a technology and I started taking pictures of the surroundings I was in and I started translating that onto material. So performance material, lightweight wicking material. So I created a design called EVX, or for Evergreen X. And what I found originally was that or my intention of taking care of just Central Texas hunters turned out to have a national following. We've had hunters from Canada, Florida, Maine, Utah all the way up into the Midwest that are now gravitating to this design uh, called EVX because of its capability and its versatility of uh, turkey hunting, uh, summer hog hunting, uh, early bow season when you still have foliage in the trees. Its diversity is so great. Uh, its cost is effective uh, for the general common man um, and the comfort is just second to none so far. We've been really happy with it. We're a young company and we're growing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I got to I got to tell you the the spring summer pattern the green pattern that you have is incredible and this is actually what makes it unique is that these are actual images these are actual pictures that you are have put onto clothing and are, and have that as a camo but i think i'm most impressed with your tree stand pattern because it is awesome i mean to be able to look up just imagine being on the ground looking up into the trees and that is what a deer should see when a deer looks up into a tree stand and, well, looks up at your tree stand anyway. And so that is what Scott has captured with this. And it, it, this tree stand pattern is awesome. The, the um, green EVX pattern that you have is great looking, and I can definitely see that, you know, working for anybody anywhere. But, you know, the, the fact that you've kind of got it and set up into a modular system as well is is very unique so where can somebody go if they want to learn more about broadside camo and what you've got to offer where can they go to learn more about that sure so our website is broadsidecamo.com think of broadside or the shot angle that you want so broadsidecamo.com we do have some distributors in uh, indiana uh, ohio uh, arkansas and missouri uh, you can find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash broadside camo. Uh, if you find us on Instagram, we're also there on broadside underscore camo. Um, 
emailing SAS or Sam Alpha Sam at broadsidecamo.com. Phone number 512-730-0303. 512-730-0303. Any of those reaches will either contact me, my wife, or any of our distributors in our system. Fantastic. Scott, thank you very much for taking time to talk to me, and I really recommend you guys get out there and take a look at the product. It's, it's very unique, and it's very cool. You're going to like it. So thank you. Andy, thank you for your time. Really do appreciate you and the Turkey Hunter podcast that you do. Good deal. Thank you, sir. I got to tell you, I was very impressed with Scott and with his product. I love the concept and the execution, especially for us warm weather turkey hunters. So go check out his website and let me know what you think. I think you could tell by the interview that I was very impressed with their tree stand pattern as well. You got to go check that out. It's awfully cool. Okay, that's all for this week. But I do need one favor from you this week, please. Because of the nature of today's topic, I feel like we can do some good by sharing this episode with as many other hunters as possible. So, here is what I'm asking you to do. Those of you who are listening to the show, who are members of a hunting forum on the internet, doesn't necessarily have to be a turkey hunting forum, but those are even better. And I'm talking about forums like Old Gobbler or AL Deer, any forum out there that's related to hunting. If you will post a link to this week's show on that forum, I would be very appreciative. The link to this show is as follows. Grab a pen and piece of paper. www.iamturkeyhunting.com slash 129. The numbers 129. That's it. If you'll go on those forums and type a little comment about, hey, here's some great information about etiquette and safety for turkey hunting public land and post that on there, we'll be BFFs again. Who knows? The person who happens upon your post and listens to this show may just be the person who shares the same turkey or deer woods with you. That's it. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and a very happy and blessed Easter. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.